Hey, what's up, friends? This is Mac Brock, and you are listening to the Christian Music Guys. I met Stephen Furtick at an event that he was preaching at and I was leading worship at, and he was telling me about this church plant that he was starting in Charlotte, which is like an hour and a half away from me. And so through that relationship... Today's episode, we chat with Mac Brock. Mac's latest single, Just Like You've Always Done, is out now. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys, the podcast for Christian music fans, by Christian music fans. Chris, this past weekend, I got to spend in Orlando, Florida at the 26th annual Rock the Universe event. It's a two-day big Christian music festival, three different stages, and had a blast. Uh, Unfortunately, the weather was warmer. I know a lot of people are like, shut up, but it's a lot of people freezing right now. But it's been nice. It's been like in the 40s and the 50s here in Florida, and then that weekend was like 85, so it was hot. And uh, But it was great. We had a wonderful time. Uh, We saw... A bunch of artists, Lecrae, Cody Carnes, uh, Kane, Brandon Lake, um, Blessing Offer, um, it, Joseph. Joseph O'Brien. And I was going to talk about that. Joseph uh, O'Brien, we had him on our show a few weeks back, a few months ago. He'll be coming back on shortly. He's got some new music he's working on, but we got to hang out with Joseph, ride a bunch of roller coasters that made me sicker than a dog because, um, we uh you're old (laughs) (laughs) yeah well (laughs) that and the fact that we rode all the rides back to back to back uh one after the other we um we had a um like a tour guide person with us walking us around the park and uh yeah so we rode all the big ones over and over and over and Levi was loving it, but my stomach was not loving it. And uh, if you all have ever rode um, Velocicoaster, roller coaster at Universal in Orlando, it is the scariest roller coaster in the world. I felt like I was going to fall out of the ride like three times. I thought my life was coming to an end. And when Joseph comes back on here, he can attest. He was screaming too. And he said after the ride that, he felt like he was going to fall out the ride. So it wasn't just me. It was Joseph as well. But um, overall, we had a great time and got to chat with him, got to talk with other artists as well. And um, it is, like I said, is the largest outdoor Christian music festival in the state of Florida. So it was fun. Now, Chris, would you ever ride this Velocicoaster so I can you can see how dangerous it is? I would. Well, it's very dangerous. <laughs> and the fact that there's a lap bar. There's not a there's not bars that go over your whole body like a ride would if it went upside down. And so this That's like um, this one had a lap bar and it went upside down you, like four times. Yeah, that's like a diamondback at uh Kings Island. <laughs> Yeah, I never felt like only that. has the lap. I never felt like I was. I've, doesn't have I've all the, that ride before, and I never f- felt like I was going to fall out of the thing. 
but Velocicoaster for oh, sure. Oh, see, any anytime I ride, it would ride that. I'd like be freaking out because it's just that little lap thing in the center. It's just a center one too, so it's like center and it's got the center and the little bar that goes out of the center yeah. beam. So literally, there's only one gear in the middle that's holding that down. I mean, it's it's a bad thing when you fill your whole body, not just your butt, but your whole body, like go over the lap bar and you feel like you're leaning over the roller coaster. <laughs> I mean, for a few seconds, you feel like you're, you're done. So it wasn't the greatest. Hey, I will say, uh, since we're talking about roller coasters, I will tell you my experience on a, um, so we are, we live in Kentucky, and there was a. It used to be called. Well, no, it's It's called Kentucky Kingdom again. But anyways, there is a theme park locally here that used to have this roller coaster called Chang. That was a good one. And I was riding it once, and it was one of the ones that you you kind of like semi stood up. It had like the little crotch you know, seat, but it wasn't really a seat. You kind of had just the over the top, over the shoulders pull bar. So pull bar goes and then, you know, you buckle in your little seat belt thing. Anyways, go over the big loop. There's a bunch of loops, corkscrews, all that kind of stuff on this stand up roller coaster. And after the first big loop, I heard, I hear a cling cling. Oh, mercy. I look down and the seatbelt had come undone and I'm like, Oh, okay. Seatbelts. It's, it's, it, that's a, that's a safety backup. You know what I mean? Like if the thing was to unlock, then that seatbelt was what holds the harness in. So we get to a, like right after the big loop, it's like kind of flat for a second. So I'm like, it's all happening very fast. And I'm like, let me just test this real quick. So I let go of the my like harness, the shoulder harness, and it starts going up and up. Uh, so I pull it down to my chest quicker than snot because here comes some more uh, corkscrews. So I am squeezing the little crotch seat thing in the middle with my legs and my knees holding on and then pulling down on the harness with my um, arms and have a death grip on this shoulder brace mm. because I am a, I am a not locked in. I can literally let go of the harness and it will raise all the way up, but I made it, I made it through. And then I told the guys after I got off the ride, well, I say guys, you know, you know how it is at a theme parks. They're like kids. Yeah. And I told them, I was like, Hey, uh, that unlocked on me. And it was like raising. And they were like, what? And they went over there and checked it and did the whole lock thing, whatever, and then then uh, released or no, they they engaged all the locks and then he pushed it down, and then when he let go, it kept going up and down and up and down. So that one that I was in was not locking. So you could have been dead. We you wouldn't have been here right now, Chris. I wouldn't have. <laughs> I would have. I would have passed away on a roller coaster. <laughs> That's not funny. I would have been, I would have been flung out of a roller coaster. Oh man! Which, yeah. Well, speaking of flinging out of roller coasters, 
Um, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, Chris, what are people waiting for? They need to subscribe today at Christian Music Guys. Is our is our YouTube handle? Yeah. Speaking of flinging out of, of roller coasters, <laughs> I mean, if you don't subscribe to our our YouTube channel, you're going to be flung out of a roller exactly coaster, right? And so, no. Before you get on the roller coaster, just go to your YouTube app. Don't condone that, Christian Music Guys, and then subscribe, and then you can get on the roller coaster. Or go to Spotify, type in Christian Music Guys, hit that bell, that notification bell, give us. What five stars, ten stars, however many the the most you can get. We need that many, Chris. Or if you're an, an Apple type person that likes to listen to Apple Podcast, go on there, rate five stars, and give us a, a nice little review. Um, you can do all that, but those would greatly appreciate it. Uh, or those would greatly appreciate it. Those would those we would, would greatly appreciate it. They and all. So, um, yeah. So before do that before you get on a roller coaster. Yeah, but no, I mean, for in all honesty, doing those three things is a free way for you to help us out, get the word out to everybody else about the podcast and help us grow. So we did sit down recently with Mac Brock Mackett, formerly of Elevation Worship, Recently signed with Centricity Music and has new music coming out. He's working on a brand new album, which should release this spring. But his latest single, Just Like You've Always Done, is out. Check out this interview. On today's show, we have Mr. Mac Brock. Mac, how are you, man? And Merry Christmas. I am doing great. You're the very first person to wish me Merry Christmas this year. So I received that. There you go. (laughs) Now, are you one of those... Do you get into the holiday spirit early or do you wait till right after Thanksgiving? I almost, I've always been a wait till after Thanksgiving guy, but my wife is not. And slowly (laughs) over the years, she has just started to wear me down. So we started decorating, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, something like that. And I'm just embracing it now. I'm fully in. If it makes her happy, if it makes the kids happy, then I don't want to be the Scrooge of the family. Yeah. I mean, the majority of radio stations start playing um, as soon as Halloween's over with. Oh, they start. Yeah, yeah. it's all November, all December. <laughs> Trust me, yeah. I know that. With releasing music and all that stuff, I know. Like you're going to wait till January, man. To. Yep, <laughs> when I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to find. <clears throat> and even like a lot of the you know country channels and stuff they'll play country but they play a lot of mix of christmas stuff too so it's hard to find just a, a channel unless you have like satellite radio of, <laughs> so just, true you know <laughs> well what we'd like to do with our first time guest mac is uh just simply ask how did you get uh started in the music industry oh the music industry um well i grew up i got started in the music because my mom is a drummer uh so i grew up around music all the time dad's a pastor so it was just kind of like you know church is like the best grounds for like learning how to sing or learning you know learning a lot about music um so kind of came up in that and then as far as like music industry that's such an interesting way to put it because I've never really thought about it that way because I was the ministry you know know. yeah because I was a worship leader um, on staff at churches for forever and just stumbled into always working on writing songs for the church, recording, releasing albums. 
and that just kind of slowly grew over time and um and now i'm here you know still still kind of doing it now how did uh how did uh connecting with elevation how did that uh that whole pan out yeah so i was living in south carolina i was in college um fixing to get married and i met stephen furtick at an event that he was preaching at and i was leading worship at and he was telling me about this church plant that he was starting in Charlotte, which is like an hour and a half away from me. And so mm. through that relationship, I started driving up just to lead worship on the weekends because they didn't have a worship leader or pastor on staff. And so mm. kind of, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where I, I was making the trip. And then eventually me and my wife were like, well, let's just move up there and and actually like fully commit and be a part of that. And so we did that shortly after we were married and um, we've been in Charlotte ever since. And we were on staff at Elevation uh, for a decade. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I will say <clears throat> one of your, your last albums with them, was it, was it There Is A Cloud? Yep. That okay. Was the one. Man, what a phenomenal album. Like, yeah, I love that record. That That is my go-to. song oh come to the altar yes uh you know uh, we're gonna talk about that but i guess i guess we can if you're fine with it i love uh, talking about that song yeah um (laughs) i will say that's probably one of the songs like it would be like a chris tomlin song you know or a rich mullen song like it would be one of those church songs 30 years from now people will still be singing it um Mm. because it's an anthem you know and uh uh, do you mind uh sharing about that yeah well first off uh you're so generous with the comparisons. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Both of those uh, are goats. Um, Yes. So come to the altar, man. That's a song, you know, I was reflecting on that song recently and it's written probably eight or nine years ago. And that song was written initially just the idea of it was like, we always had these big services at Christmas Eve or Easter where there was like a big altar call. And that was like the sole focus of those, um, you know, church experiences. It was like the altar call at the end. And we were like, well, let's write a song that allows space for that. And that will be Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, the altar call song literally. Yeah. And, and so that was the initial kind of goal or purpose of it. And then we just started playing it at church to introduce it. And we realized, I think, pretty quickly just how much that that song ministers to people that, not just to people that are coming to know Jesus for the first time, but it's a song that speaks to where we're at on a daily basis. You know, I, I've known Jesus for the majority of my life, and still every single day I have to come to him and say, like, I'm broken, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I'm carrying the weight of my sin. Like I need to come to Jesus every day. And so that's, that's kind of what the song became more of that, Mm. even more so than just like a response song. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I believe I saw a clip um, a a few years back of Steven talking about that song and how it almost didn't make the album and how it was just like, not sure if it should or. 
Yeah, someone else said that recently as well. And I don't remember I don't remember it for being Alter that didn't almost make the album, but it was uh the song Resurrecting. Maybe it was Alter and maybe I'm you know just misremembering because we made a lot of projects. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of songs that came and went. Um, but I do remember very specifically the song Resurrecting. That was a song that we wrote and rewrote and rewrote again and rewrote again. And up until maybe the week before we were recording, we had like, you know, night of worship recording the album. We were still working out the kinks of that song. And it was almost, you know, Resurrecting is a song that I still lead a ton today that still holds a lot of power for me. But it was it was one of those things where it was like, couldn't nail down the chorus, couldn't figure out exactly what the chorus was supposed to be and went through so many different variations. And we were almost like, hey, we don't need this song for this album. We have a ton of big ballads or we have a ton of songs that kind of carry this type of energy. So we're fine if we don't include this. And I'm so mm. grateful that we kind of pushed through and dug deep and didn't cut it because that song still, you know, it still means a lot to me right now. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I'm sure you've seen those articles. It's like, you know, these, these big Hollywood movies like uh, Indiana Jones, for instance, I think it was like they reached out to someone else before Harrison Ford and they turned it down. And what would that movie be like if someone else played it besides Harrison Ford? And (laughs) there was other movies like that too. And I was like, man, that would be weird. And so, you know, song when it comes to music as well, it'd be weird if those songs never got, you know, out there. So. It's so interesting. That's one of the mysterious things that I love about songs and also infuriates me about songs is you never know which ones are, are going to connect with people fully. There are a lot of songs that I've written that I thought would connect and just mm. did not. Yeah. <laughs> More of those than not. Uh, mm. But you just never know. And 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 so it's, it's just so interesting to see the lifespan of a song and when you put it mm. out into the world and what the Lord will choose to do with it. Yeah. Well, you recently uh, joined Centricity. Congratulations on that. Um, yes, thank so you. how did that all come about? Um, so one of my oldest friends, he was, he was the very first musician I met when I moved to Charlotte, you know, 17 years ago, James Duke. Uh, and he's a, he's a guitarist. He's kind of a, I don't know, a well-known guitarist in like the worship mm. space. Cause he, he has had such an influence on what guitars can do in worship. Mm-hmm. And we've been friends for forever. And I don't know, several years ago, he started working for Centricity as A&R. And when I was kind of switching some stuff up uh, with my music, he was one of the people that I was talking to and bouncing ideas off of. And he, you know, kind of encouraged me, just come and meet the team at Centricity and spend time with us. And when me and my wife went to Nashville and just got to spend a day with like a handful of that team, we just really, really connected with the heartbeat of what Centricity is about, with their leadership who they are, what they represent. It just really ministered a lot to us and we felt like we were at home. So yeah, 
we've been excited to be partners with them. Yeah, that is awesome. That's super, super, super cool. Yeah. Uh, your your latest single, uh, just like you've always done. Uh, we love it. It's a Thank song you. that we play on one of our playlists. And so, uh, do you mind telling our listeners about that song? Yeah. Uh, so I wrote that song with Hank Bentley and Jesse Early, who are two awesome songwriters. Hank's an awesome producer. He produced the song. Um, I've written with them a ton, and and we go way back. And, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you, you have a lot of artists that you talk to. And so I'm sure a lot of them talk about the songwriting room when you're yeah. in a room with a couple of people and you're just kind of throwing out ideas and throwing out themes and you don't really know what's going to come of it. And we had this idea. The first part of the song was this idea of just singing that yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. Um, you never change. And that was just something we kept singing over and over and over again. And that really spoke to me because when I talk about this song, I love talking about just the consistency of who God is and the steadiness of who God is because I'm a dad of three. Uh, my wife works full time. I'm all over the place. My world is very chaotic and every day looks different than the last. And you never know sure. what tomorrow's going to be. And you never know what season you're going to be in. And I find so much peace and just rest and even just like, like a joy in really rooting myself in the consistency of God and faithfulness. You know, that's, that's one of my favorite qualities to sing about Jesus because he is so faithful and I've seen his faithfulness in my life so many times. And, and so just to say that, to say, you're the same as you were in Bible times you're the same as you were in my life when I saw you move years ago. That's the same God that is with me right now in today. That's the same God that's going to be with me in tomorrow and the unknown. Um, and so just finding that kind of foundation built the rest of the song. And that's where mm. we, you know, started singing like, you're still doing these things. You're still working miracles. You're still fighting for us. You're still right beside us just like you've always been. And so, yeah, that's kind of the heart of the song. And it's something that I like, you know, especially with worship music, it's very easy to get lost in themes or get lost in like, what actually are we singing about? Because there's so many broad right. topics that we can talk about when it comes to Jesus. And so even narrowing it down to that specific thing just gets me stoked. I like singing yeah. it. I like declaring it. Yeah. Well, Mac, when we have guests on, we will let our listeners know um, who we are interviewing. And this is a fan-based podcast. And so we had one of your fans reach out to us. Um, Rob from New Hampshire would like to know the story behind your song, I Am Loved. Ooh, Rob. Um, man, that song is such an important song to me. And it's so funny. That's a song that I was almost sleeping on where sometimes you, you write a song that means a lot to you personally, but you're like, I don't know if this song will connect in the way that it connects to me, to anybody else. Um, especially cause it's kind of like singing some things that are almost a little bit like awkward to say, like there is no disappointment in your eyes. There's only pride. Like saying that out, like when you sing that, it carries a lot of weight to me, but I was like, I don't know if that's like a, 
odd thing to sing if anybody else <laughs> wants to say that. Um, but man, for me, growing up in the church, my parents were so good at, at kind of protecting me from just being a pastor's kid and being, I don't know, looked at a certain way or received a certain sure. way in the church. But that inevitably inevitably happens at some point or another. And, it's, and especially in, in my own relationship with Jesus, I really wrestled as a kid and I still wrestle today with having this distorted image of the way that I, that God sees me. And so much of my perception is that God is this like, not even like angry up in the sky, but just kind of like, Oh, you're dealing with this again. Like, shouldn't you be over this by now? Shouldn't you have like moved on from this struggle by now? Um, you're letting me down. Like again, like I've always wrestled mm. with that. And so I am loved came out of this place of like, I need to receive this. I need to say like, no, like Jesus loves me fully. He yeah. sees who I am. He sees all the dark corners of my heart. And he still says, I value you so much and, and you are a treasure to me and I love you so much. And that's just a, that's the story of my life that I have to continue to receive that. And that's kind of what that song, that's a lot of the heartbeat of like where that song came from. Mac, what? Like songs like Just Like You've Always Done, uh, I Am Loved, I'll Come to the Altar, you know, can go on and on and on. But how does that, the writing process look when you when you go to writing? Do you gather people in a room and you say, let's write? Or is it or is it multiple things? Do you like record um, voice memos on your phone or have dreams or, you know, just what, how does that look like the writing process? too many voice memos on my phone that I forget to label and I don't know what they are. And it takes me forever to go through them all. Um, it's a mixture of, there's definitely moments where inspiration hits, where you feel inspired and something's going off in your brain and you have to get to a piano or get to a guitar and sit down and just kind of rattle off whatever's in your brain. For me, I've, I've found that I am more productive though, when I actually just like put it on the calendar when I don't wait for inspiration to hit. And I encourage any songwriter to do this, like mark it on the calendar, let it be like in ink. I'm not moving this. Like this is time that I'm committing to writing, whether I feel like it or not. And sometimes when you're, you know, co-writing with people, that's the best form of accountability. Cause you like mm. both put it on the calendar, you sit down, you're both going to like go after it. And I have so many songs that, I'm so proud of and I'm so connected to have all come from just doing that of sitting down and, and casting an idea, casting a vision, mm -hmm. praying, spending time with, with the Lord going into a writing session um, and then seeing kind of what comes out. And then every once in a while, you know, sometimes you'll bring like, I have this chorus. Yeah. Let's write around this chorus. But a lot of times it's just even, I just have this idea. I want to write about this. And then it goes from there. And then I would, the other thing that I would say to that is I'm a forever, like, um, constantly rewriting. So if I get in a writing room, 
I never put the pressure on myself of like, I have to finish this song in the three hours that we have allotted to write a song. It's almost always like, let's just get the song at a good place. And then I'm going to live with this voice memo for weeks. And anytime I've sit down or anytime it pops in my head, I'll try to solve the little problems that I've start picking up on in the song. And so a lot of times the song starts with like a chunk of time. And then you take that kind of blueprint and then you just rework it, rewrite it, dig deeper and find the song maybe weeks or months later. Mm. That's interesting. Um, so you and your wife are uh, shifting gears here. You and your wife are foster parents. And, yes, we uh, are. That's, that's incredible. Uh, we have some friends that are, are foster parents as well. Um, take us on the, the journey and what made you all want to, you know, be yeah. foster parents. Uh, I mean, we got our license. We started getting our foster license in the end of 2019. And so we got our license right in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, it was something that was always, I think fostering, adopting has always been on my my wife's heart. And mm. I never really even gave it much thought. But I told her I would like read the books and take the classes if she wanted me to do that. And <laughs> I would say, you know, I always tell people like, I gave a bunch of little yeses along the way that ultimately resulted into the big yes of saying like, this is what I feel like is on my heart as well. And this is what the Lord is kind of teaching me. And so, yeah, it was, it was that. And we, we became foster, like licensed foster family in 2020 and um, got our first and only placement in the summer of 2020. And our foster son Z has been with us for, you know, almost three and a half years now. Um, Mm. And so that has been a journey in and of itself. Uh, But it's been amazing. And it's been, the Lord has taught me and Meredith so much through that process. And just even through loving Z and, and our whole family, our, my, our kids included Mm -hmm. Uh, just what that journey has been. It's been really powerful for us. Now, How long is the average? I mean, I guess it it differs every every case, but how long do you normally have a have a child? Yeah, I mean it it does differ for every case, and and we didn't know when you know basically the social services calls you and says, hey, we have this child, they need a place to stay. It could be a week, it could be a month, it could be six months, it could be three and a half years. We don't mm. know, and and that's again, I think like where we just have to trust, okay, we're going to say yes to this. We don't know what yeah. the outcome is going to be, but we'll say yes to it. And what's crazy too is looking back, I haven't even thought about this in a long time, but there were several cases before Z came to live with us that we got phone calls and we're like, Hey, we, we have this case. Yeah. Would you say yes? And we would always, we would say yes, but then they might've found like another foster family or, you know, cause they kind of shotgun it out to all their licensed foster families and see who can accept. And so it's just interesting how you don't know what it's going to be. Um, but saying yes, yeah, it's, it's just that it is a big yes, but it's also like you don't know how long it's going to be or, or what the journey or the process is going to be. And for the most part in foster care, the the goal is reunification with the bio family. And mm-hmm you're a temporary foster family to take care of their child so that they can get them back and, and raise them. 
And so it varies from case to case. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike, with our first time guests, we like to do um, a thing called favorite things. And I'm just going to give you a word and you give me your favorite thing. Sound good? Okay. I'll try. What? I'm bad at these. I feel like I'm always bad at these rapid fire. Like yeah, my, yeah, brain, yeah. my brain glitches, but I'm going to give you my best effort. Okay. What is your favorite food? Sushi. Sushi. Okay. So, uh, specific type or? Um, all sushi. I love it all. <laughs> it's so good. Chris Kilala. I grew up hating sushi and I went out to a place once with Chris Kilala and he turned me on to it and... I don't know if I should thank him or disown him for making it obsession now. There is a place um, down here where I live in Florida, and it's called Wave. Um, and they have sushi burritos. Ooh. And it's wrapped in the, the rice wrapper, and it's deep fried in temp- tempura. I guess that's yeah. how you say it. With shrimp and tuna and all kinds of good stuff. And it's got that spicy mayonnaise in it. Yeah, I need to stay away from waves. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, good. Yeah. Do you have a favorite movie? Um, I don't think I I have a favorite. I really like the movie The Prestige. It's mm-hmm. like a Christopher Nolan movie. Sure. That's like one of his smaller movies, but I really like it. And I'm always just kind of in the mood to watch it. That's probably yeah. my favorite. What about, is there a, a specific show that you like to watch or binge? Um, I mean, me and my, I watch Seinfeld every night. That's, yeah, that's the best. That's the highest bar for me. Um, that I'll just, it's forever rewatchable to me. Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, is there a favorite artist of all time? Ooh. Um, I've, I really, really love Tom Petty. Me and my wife share that. And uh, we've been recently watching a bunch of Tom Petty documentaries. So I'm kind of back on just in awe of who he was and (laughs) the songs that he wrote. Yeah. What about a dream duet? Someone you would love to sing with? Dream duet? Um, Shoot. I don't know. This is where I am drawing a blank. I'm trying to think of like, I don't know. I don't know who I would like to sing with. There's so many people that I've, I feel like I've gotten to collaborate with already that were like a dream or like gotten to tour with or songwrite with. And those were outside of like my wildest dream. And so the fact that I've already gotten to do so much of that is amazing. So I can't think of anybody that's like, that's who I want to collaborate with. Uh, is there a favorite uh, ice cream flavor? Ooh, um, this is boring, but probably mint chocolate chip. Okay. Like raspberry sherbet. A lot of people say vanilla, so that's pretty boring to me. Yeah, vanilla's, I mean, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> is there a uh, favorite podcast that you like? I listen to the Bill Simmons podcast a lot. Uh, I listen to pretty much all just sports podcasts. That's sure. all I listen to all the time. But Bill yeah. Simmons is up there for me. Are you a North Carolina fan? College? No, I grew up in South Carolina, so I'm a Gamecock. Okay. Um, okay. And a Panthers fan, which is sad. Gamecock fan, that's sad. Yeah. I'm a Hornets fan, that's sad. 
So yeah. it's been a long time since I've had like a happy sports experience, <laughs> but I'm still committed and hanging in there. Does Michael Jordan still own the Hornets? He sold no? the majority, his majority stake. He sold that. Okay. But he's still like a minority owner, which I don't really, sure. I love Michael Jordan. think he's amazing. Don't love him as an owner. So I'll just yeah. go ahead and say that. <laughs> I wish he would just sell the whole thing. But I love you, Mike. Uh, if he's listening. There you go. <laughs> I want some rings. <laughs> uh, is there a, a Bible verse that's speaking to you right now? Ooh. Um, one specific verse. You know, I come back to this verse a lot. There's a verse in Hebrews. Um, I mean, this is a verse that is like my favorite verse. So I feel like it's, it's just one that's always like, I'm always coming back to it's, uh, in Hebrews, Hebrews seven, that talks about the law makes nothing perfect, but a greater hope was found, um, in Jesus. And that is going back to even what we talked about with, I am loved that feeling mm. of like, I have to strive to earn God's love. I have to strive to earn God's approval. That, that verse really just reminds me, like, it's not the law that makes Anything I do perfect. It's nothing that I can achieve or nothing that I can do on my own. That's good. Mac, what is next for you and how can our listeners keep up with you? Um, what's next for me is I'm finishing my record. So, I've, you know, I don't know when this airs, but in the new year, I'll start releasing more music and then eventually an album probably later in the spring. And easiest way to keep up with me is just all the social stuff. You know, YouTube, mm-hmm. Instagram. I think I have a TikTok, but I don't post. I don't post much on it, but a friend of mine does. Uh, MySpace. Yeah, MySpace. Friendster. <laughs> you can follow my live journal. Where I you lay can download out, my music on Napster. <laughs> yeah, lay out all my thoughts. Yeah. All, all the normal places. To wrap up, I'd like to see if you'd be willing to share something that God's been doing in your life, maybe even recently, that would help build our listeners' faith. Man, I think uh, me and my wife, just this whole season, this whole fall season, we have been like in the thick of parenting. That's been the biggest part Mm. of our life. You know, I have a son who's in middle school, and then we have a daughter who's in third grade, and then our foster son, Z, who's three and a half. And so I feel like we're just like in all the stuff as parents. And a lot of times it, it just feels like overwhelming. It feels you don't know if what you're doing is the right way to do it. You don't know if what you're doing is uh, breaking through or if you're planting good seeds or whatever. And I think that the Lord has just really, really been teaching me to be present, to love my kids, to like do all the things that like I can do but I can't control the outcome. And so I have to release all that Mm. to him and and really just trust and have faith that like he even loves my kids more than I do. He's for my kids more than I am. And so I can rest in that and I don't have to, yeah, going back to that striving thing. I don't have to strive or like force trying to gain control, even when it comes to my kids. Mm, That's good. 
Well, Mac, thank you so much uh, for chatting with me. And if I had any advice for you, it would be maybe after this next album in the spring, you should do like a Tom Petty cover album. Let's do it. Hey, I would love that. Um, I, I used to, I haven't done it in a long time, but I used to always do like a cover just like on my phone on the anniversary of like when he passed away. But I forgot mm. to do one this year. I, I should go back and do it maybe a month late, two months late. Yeah. But love Tom Petty. <laughs> He's the best. That's right. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. And thanks again, Mac, for sitting and chatting with us. As we said before, be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you may listen. Follow us on all social media platforms at Christian Music Guys. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. <laughs>